This is Chapter Sixty Six of The Boy's Life of Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Boy's Life of Mark Twain by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter Sixty Six Life at Stormfield. Mark Twain loved Stormfield. Almost immediately he gave up the idea of going back to New York for the winter and I think he never entered the Fifth Avenue house again. The quiet and undisturbed comfort of Stormfield came to him at the right time of life. His day of being the Belle of New York was over. Now and then he attended some great dinner, but always under protest. Finally he refused to go at all. He had much company during that first summer, old friends and now and again young people, of whom he was always fond. The billiard-room he called the Aquarium and a frieze of Bermuda fishes in gay prints ran around the walls. Each young lady visitor was allowed to select one of these as her patron fish and attach her name to it. Thus, as a member of the Aquarium Club, she was represented in absence. Of course, there were several cats at Stormfield, and these really owned the premises. The kittens scampered about the billiard-table after the balls, even when the game was in progress, giving all sorts of new angles to the shots. This delighted him, and he would not for anything have discommoded or removed one of those furry hazards. My own house was a little more than half a mile away, our lands adjoining, and daily I went up to visit him, to play billiards, or to take a walk across the fields. There was a stenographer in the neighborhood, and he continued his dictations, but not regularly. He wrote, too, now and then, and finished the little book called, Is Shakespeare Dead? Winter came the walks were fewer and there was even more company the house was gay and the billiard games protracted in february i made a trip to europe and the mediterranean to go over some of his ground there returning in april i found him somewhat changed it was not that he had grown older or less full of life but only less active less eager for gay company and he no longer dictated or very rarely his daughter Jean, who had been in a health resort, was coming home to act as his secretary, and this made him very happy. We resumed our games, our talks, and our long walks across the fields. There were few guests, and we were together most of the day and evening. How beautiful the memory of it all is now! To me, of course, nothing can ever be like it again in this world. Mark Twain walked slowly these days. Early in the summer there appeared indications of the heart trouble that less than a year later would bring the end. His doctor advised diminished smoking, and forbade the old habit of lightly skipping up and down stairs. The trouble was with the heart muscles, and at times there came severe deadly pains in his breast, but for the most part he did not suffer. He was allowed the walk, however, and once I showed him a part of his estate he had not seen before, a remote cedar hillside. On the way I pointed out a little corner of land which earlier he had given me to straighten our division line. I told him I was going to build a study on it and call it Markland. I think the name pleased him. Later he said, "'If you had a place for that extra billiard-table of mine—the Rogers table, which had been left in storage in New York—I would turn it over to you.' I replied that I could adapt the size of my proposed study to fit the table, and he said, now that will be very good then when i want exercise i can walk down and play billiards with you and when you want exercise 
you can walk up and play billiards with me you must build that study so it was planned and the work was presently under way how many things we talked of life death the future all the things of which we know so little and love so much to talk about astronomy as i have said was one of his favorite subjects neither of us had any real knowledge of the matter which made its great facts all the more awesome the thought that the nearest fixed star was twenty-five trillions of miles away two hundred and fifty thousand times the distance to our own remote sun gave him a sort of splendid thrill he would figure out those appalling measurements of space covering sheets of paper with his sums but he was not a good mathematician and the answers were generally wrong comets in particular interested him and one day he said i came in with halley's comet in 1835 it is coming again next year and i expect to go out with it it will be the greatest disappointment of my life if i don't go out with halley's comet he looked so strong and full of color and vitality one could not believe that his words held a prophecy yet the pains recurred with increasing frequency and severity his malady angina pectoris was making progress and how bravely he bore it all he never complained never bewailed i have seen the fierce attack crumble him when we were at billiards but he would insist on playing in his turn bowed his face white his hand digging at his breast End of chapter sixty six